1: Ah, yes, the magnificent Trolly Sourbright Crawler, also known as Trollicus brightolus. The worm's captivating neon colour makes it an easy gummy prey. Trolley, It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy, staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me! Delicious. Visit trolly.com to shop now. Trolly, eat me!
0: You're listening
1: to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. With the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Hello and welcome to the Science Focus podcast. I'm Thomas Ling, staff writer at BBC Science Focus magazine. Now, while Daft Punk may have sadly split, machine created music may be about to skyrocket in popularity. Not only can artificial intelligence now create original melodies, but scientists are also developing robots that can play music live on stage. Will AI and Android soon top the charts? And could they even replace human musicians entirely? Here to explain groundbreaking new music technology is Professor Nick Brian Kins, Director of the Media and Arts Technology Centre at Queen Mary University of London. So to most people, I think generating music with the help of AI seems like quite a a futuristic concept. Uh, But hasn't this technology actually been around for quite a few years?
0: Yeah, it has actually. Um, If you look at the history of computers, making music with computers is one of the earliest things that people did back in the 1950s. People were creating music uh, using computers, and you can even trace it back to I think there was a quote from Ada Lovelace in 1843, talking about how you may be able to use computers to generate some sort of music or make elaborate musical things using computers. So, pretty long history there.
1: How can AI be used to create sort of new music, by from scratch?
0: Yeah, now that's a good question. So, personally, um, I. At the moment, I see AI uh, being used to not really create new music, but more to create uh, uh, like a pastiche or, or a copying or a derivative of existing music. So you you would take um, an AI algorithm and you would chuck loads and loads of uh, music at it, and then it could make versions of that, derivative versions of that kind of music. Um, and so thinking about that, what... It's not really creating a whole new kind of music or a new kind of uh, songs or something like that. It's making new versions of existing kinds of music. So one of the big things people worry about is, oh, the AI is going to take over the creativity process and all that. But it's still relying on people to make the initial sets of music that it's trained on, right? Just sort of coming back to the basics, though. So there seems to be a
1: lot of sort of terms banded around, like uh, artificial neural networks and machine learning in terms of, um, AI music, sort of what actually are they?
0: Yeah, so in terms of how, how the uh, AI works, so you've got these neural networks that are really um, large sets of uh, bits of computers that, that try and mimic how the brain works. So uh, you basically throw lots of uh, music at this uh, neural network and it learns patterns. So much like uh, the human brain learns patterns by, re- by repeatedly being shown things, it's the same with uh, these neural networks. And what's tricky about the neural networks is these days is they're getting bigger and bigger, uh, so that they're using more and more computer power, uh, but it becomes harder and harder for humans to understand what they're actually doing. What has that AI learned? Difficult to know nowadays, because it's become so complex that you got it's really difficult for people to uh, explain what the AI is doing. The other thing that's interesting about uh, these neural networks these days, and the really big... Uh, AIs that are like Google or so on would be putting out there, is that they consume a lot of energy. So if you're trying to train an AI to uh, analyse uh, the last 20 years of pop music, you're chucking all that data in there, and then you're using a, a lot of electricity to do the analysis and to generate a new you know, pop song based on that. So at some point, there's going to become a balance where you say, you know what, is this actually causing... Uh, too much environmental impact through the amount of energy we're using? Or has it got to the point now where I simply don't understand what this is doing? Okay, it's making some nice music, but I don't understand what it's, how it's working anymore. So there's going to be a balance there where where we start to think, well, have we reached the boundary of what we can do with these neural networks given the way that they work?
1: I, I was going to say, I guess we have to sort of judge how good the music is, whether it's worth sort
0: of ending the world for then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with like... Uh, the uh, Bitcoin and all that, where it's using so much energy to do the, the mining of the coins now that it's like, well, is this really a viable way to uh, do a monetary system? And So you could imagine if you extrapolate that same way, you get to the point where you you say, is it really worth putting all this energy into uh, generating these pop songs when we could you know, be encouraging humans to make music, right?
1: How, um? Can you give me sort of a ballpark figure of how much energy it does actually use, like or how, how long it takes a, a computer or a supercomputer to um, generate
0: new AI music? So it's really a question of how much data are you training it on and how complex is your model? The early AI models use really simple techniques, and you could actually do it by hand. As a human, you could go through and figure out the, the numerical values that you had to put into that model. That's possible. Um, but as it got more and more complex, you know, as the computers got faster, we started using more and more complex systems until we get to this point now where we have these essentially black boxes that we chuck music into and it nice new music comes out but we don't really understand the details of what it's doing. So um,
1: recently, uh, AI has been used to create, quote-unquote, sort of new tracks. From the likes of Amy Winehouse and, and Ivana. um Is this an easy thing to do? Can you just sort of shovel of Amy Winehouse's back catalogue into an AI and it could easily generate a, a new piece of her music?
0: Yeah, I mean, these days that's a pretty um, sort of straightforward thing that people do. Uh, the trick is, um, it in some ways it's like a magic trick, right? Because there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on, whereby you do chuck a load of music, Amy's music in, and you get a load of music that comes out, but somebody has to go and edit that and say, "Oh, which of these do I like or which do do I not like or which parts of these songs do I think are good and I want that AI to work a bit harder on that part of the song and so on. So there's still a lot of uh, human editorial uh, control going on at the moment. Um, So it's not as simple as, oh, let's put all of Amy's back catalogue into this AI and it will produce a new song you put all the back catalog in, you'll get 100 or 1,000 new songs and you have to go through and decide which one is actually the one that you then want to put out as, as a, a new track.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, Say so last year, uh, AI Your Vision was launched. Uh, it's basically like Your Vision, but with sort of two main differences. Uh, the first one, the UK didn't finish bottom. Uh, it was 6th out of 13th. Uh, and the second, that all the songs were made with the assistance of AI, Um, it was just the assistance. It's still had a major human element to it. It's not simply just pressing a button on a computer and it producing a song. So do you think maybe there could be an AI within the next 10 years capable of generating a hit single all by itself about this human
0: input? I'm not sure about that. I'm a skeptic on this side of things. Yeah. I would be saying, I think it could generate a hit single, but not on its own. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they already uh, were some researchers who said that they'd done this, where they'd um, generated some tracks and then they just put all those tracks in, you know, put them out, and then people listen to them and then it generated a you know, a number one track that way. But the point is it's still uh, some human selection in there, right? It, mm. Because even if you put all the 100 tracks or a 1,000 tracks that the computer makes out there, and then people listen to the ones that they like. It's still a human-selecting which ones they think are nice or, or enjoyable. So, you know, there's always going to be some element of human selection or curation um, because, uh, to my mind, if the computer was able to generate the tracks on its own and had its own idea and music aesthetic and said, oh, these are the kind of music I like, maybe we wouldn't like that kind of music, right? It, maybe the computer likes a different kind of music than we do. Maybe it would just be all the AIs sitting, listening to music together. And we would be like, what's this? So, you know, the problem is we're trying to train the AI to make music that we like, but we're not allowing the AI to make music that it likes. That's really interesting how there
1: might be a sort of translation difficulty between AI and humans. So do, in that respect, do you think it might be impossible for an AI to create lyrics that may sort of inspire certain emotions in humans?
0: Mm, yeah, I'm also <laughs> kind of skeptical on that one as well, I have to say, because, um, yeah, so that AI can generate a lot of lyrics that are interesting and, you know, they have uh interesting narrative flow to them and that kind of thing. The, the point is, though, that lyrics for songs are typically based on people's life experiences, like what's happened to them, you know, people they've fallen in love with, you know, things that have gone wrong in their life or watching the sunrise in the morning, You know, all these kind of things are not things that AIs do every day. So in terms of thinking about what can the AI generate in terms of its lyrical content, if it's actually um, trying to communicate some emotion, uh, to me, I'm I'm a little bit sceptical that it would have that life experience to be able to communicate something meaningful to people uh, that isn't just a pastiche of of previous songs.
1: But how could AI music sort of move music as a whole forward? Like, could it potentially create new
0: genres? Yeah. So that's why I think the, the big thing will be where uh, there'll be these mashups between different kinds of uh, musical styles. And, and this is a, a quite a big research area at the moment, of um, style transfer, like changing the style, taking the content of one kind of music and putting it in the style of another kind of music and exploring those different uh, mashings together of maybe three or four different genres. So the kind of things that would be kind of difficult to do for people to do in a music studio, you know, it'd be difficult. Oh, how are we going to get four different genres of musician in a studio together and learn to play together and then create a new piece of music? That'd be something much easier for an AI to try a million different combinations of genres until one pops up, which happens to be something that we kind of like.
1: He's saying to basically to create these new genres of music, we might have to listen to sort of 999 <laughs> whatever, ter- terrible pieces, and then there'd be one genre a defining piece, maybe.
0: Maybe. Or, uh, you know, maybe we have uh, one of these um, systems set up where the AIs are sort of uh, competing against each other, and, and they're able to, there's, there's one AI that's judging, saying, well, oh, this one is probably the kind of things that humans would like. You know, So there's a million different genres that they invent. And then there's a different AI that's sort of looking at them and going, well, maybe these five here are the ones that the humans will like. Let's see what they think.
1: I'm instantly imagining an AI Simon Cowell
0: here. Eh? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's the way.
1: <laughs> so uh, what would you say to people uh, worried that introducing AI into music production could kind of sap creativity from the entire industry?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that in the short term, uh, with people getting concerned about, you know, losing... Um, work in production or engineering, and these kind of things, or um, uh, people whose job was to write um, pop music or tunes or something like that. Um, but, you know, people say this with every introduction of new uh, technology into music. So, you know, the invention of the, the gramophone record, for example, everybody was worried, oh, no, this is going to be terrible for music. But of course, then it launched the whole thing about rec- uh, recorded music sales, and, and which is basically what we, we enjoy today or the introduction of video to music, you know, MTV coming out, everybody said, oh, this is going to be the end of music. Uh, but of course it wasn't. It was a different way of consuming music. So I think it will have an effect, and what it will partly do will... Um, it might uh, allow more people to make music because it's now much easier to make uh, professional-sounding music um, using just even your, your phone. So to what extent should we see AI as a a tool in musical production rather than just giving us a finished result? A tool would be a good way of thinking of it. But I think in the future, in the very soon future, it'll be more thinking of AI as a a co-creator, so a partner in making the music. So, you know, if it's somebody, I'm talking about it as a person now, if it's something that you create music with, Maybe uh, it's able to help you out by suggesting some bass lines or maybe it gives you some ideas for different lyrics that you might want to use based on the genres that you like. Or maybe it it throws in a bit of an oddball suggestion for a a musical uh, riff somewhere, you know, based on some different genre that you didn't know.
1: What What about sort of the technical challenges? Which are the sort of the biggest sort of technical hurdles which AI needs to overcome?
0: Yeah, well, the... The sort of big technical challenge AI needs to overcome at the moment is uh, to be able to generate across different, uh, how to describe it, um, different structures in the music. So at the moment AI is quite good for like uh, generating small riffs or it can do melodies or it can do um, other elements of a, a musical content. But it's not very good at um being creative across different levels of the music. So like thinking about the big picture of the piece that you're generating as well as the small motifs. So the big challenge at the moment is really integrating across uh you know the bigger, thinking about the whole piece of the music, you know, of uh, all the different pieces playing together, but also the you know, if it's a classical piece, you know, it could be 10-15 minutes long. How do you Uh, generate at that scale, but also at the note scale. That's the thing that AI is not great at at the moment.
1: How good is AI at uh, at replicating sort of human voice and singing?
0: Actually, again, it it goes down to the training. So uh, there's, there's quite a few examples of pretty convincing human voice simulation these days. So it's pretty good. And the question is, what do you want it to sing? And why do you want it to sound like a human anyway?
1: Uh, Well, you get streaming services like uh, Spotify and Tidal, and they're um, already using algorithms at the moment to generate suggestions to users based on their listening history. Uh, Do you think in future it would be possible to take this a bit further? Like, for instance, could AI create music in real time based on someone's mood or
0: someone's heart rate? Yeah, definitely. And this is a really uh, interesting research area at the moment. and Quite a lot of research looking at how... You map between, as you say, heart rate, or maybe skin conductivity, like how sweaty you are, um, or maybe the size of your pupils, these kind of things, uh, to the kind of music that you're listening to. And then think about how you can use uh, music to change or influence your mood, um, you know, either to make you a bit more happy or a bit more sad and relaxed, this kind of thing. And uh, so it's definitely an area of research at the moment. The main issues is that often music has very personal meanings, right? And so you can do these research studies where you say, okay, out of a 1,000 people, 900 people, when they listen to this track, feel a little bit sadder. Or you know, 870 people feel a bit happier, or whatever it is. Uh, but for each individual track and each individual person, there'll be personal experiences that may be connected with that song. So, it, for example, it may be that you, there's some song that most people think is sad, but you played it at your wedding, so you think it's really happy. You have happy associations. Or the other way around, maybe there's a happy song that somebody played at a funeral, and so every time you hear it, you're a bit sad and nostalgic. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is that there are many things that can be uh, sort of generalised about how music influences your mood, and you can use certain tracks to, on average, increase people's mood, but for each individual person, it's very difficult to learn all those connections uh, between the music.
1: Um, what's the most exciting thing to you personally uh, in the world of uh,
0: AI music at the moment? Oh, robots. Oh, I love uh, musical robots, yeah. So this is like been a dream of everybody for like 100 years or something, a robot that can play music. So this is a kind of interesting time, I think, where people are now building robots that uh, you can play in real time with them in, in a sort of band-like situation. And they'll do sort of gestures like a musician would do, like they'll sort of nod or keep a beat by tapping their foot. They'll look at you when it's your turn to do a solo, Uh, you know, this kind of stuff. It's really cool. So the the fun thing is that they're they're taking, it's not just the music that they're making, but it's the gestures that go around the music, the stuff that happens when you play in a band, you're nodding, you know, you're getting into the groove and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really interesting um, to me is that, this combination of stuff has come together where we can really feel like it's a real uh, living thing that we're playing music with. Uh, Yeah, I think that's great. So is
1: there the same kind of um, leaps and bounds in terms of sort of virtual reality as well, or is it mainly just the robots which are really grabbing you at the moment?
0: (laughs) It's really the robots. Uh, Yeah, I mean, virtual reality is interesting in terms of Sound hasn't been used that um, much in virtual reality because people are mostly focusing on the visual side of things and trying to make the interaction more natural, so being able to use your hands to move around in VR, you know, using your hands to interact with things. So the sound and the music has kind of played a a second place at the moment in VR, and I think there is a lot of potential uh, to use, like you say, uh, how they use music in computer games, be great to be able to use that more in VR but not just for sort of background music but to make the experience feel more immersive more realistic and try and convey more of the emotions as of well as the space so have you personally sort of uh, had a, a jam session with a, with a robot yet or or not no i haven't had a chance to have a jam session with a robot yet no um but we have uh, a number of people that we're working with on uh, different kind of robots. There's some really great ones in the States, actually, in Georgia Tech. Uh, they got some really uh, great ones that play a variety of instruments. And uh, it would be great uh, when we can travel again. I was planning to go and visit them and you know, have a bit of a play. So do you think
1: in future, if you have sort of a, uh, a solo musical artist, could maybe go on tour accompanied by a band of robots,
0: essentially? Yeah, yeah for sure. I think so. That'd be great, right? And I think especially... <laughs> as we come out of uh, you know lockdown and all that kind of stuff and people really want to have more physical experiences again, like go to gigs and events and so on. And I think that's why, to me, you know, the VR, virtual reality music, uh, I don't find it so compelling, especially at the moment where we're all looking at a screen every day. I think the physical stuff where you actually go and you, you physically see or you play uh, music with other beings, let's say that, uh, I think that would be the real thing that's going to catch people people's imagination.
1: But won't sort of AI be working uh, alongside these robots? So if you needed to, um, if you're having a live gig and you had your band of robots there, wouldn't a certain element of AI be needed to um,
0: sort of jam on stage? It's come to a point where the AI and the robots and the sort of, you know, uh, computer vision tracking stuff all seems to be getting to a point where it can work in real time and it can actually feel fluid and, and realistic in terms of making music and, and that sort of sensation of, of jamming. What will be interesting will be, you know, what does the audience think for this? So at the moment, you know, it's quite fun to play as a musician with a robot. But, you know, is that fun to watch? For you know, for an audience, I'm not sure if it is, maybe it is. I think judging by Daft Punk, I think it'd be fine.
1: (laughs) That's true. So in that way, do you think there's still quite a lot of prejudice about AI music and robot music?
0: Um, Yeah, I think the expectations would be that uh, the robot is going to play basically some sort of electronic music or it's going to sound very synthesizer-y, right? And um, one of the uh, groups I've been working with in China has been looking very much about how Robots can play really traditional instruments, like the super traditional instruments, and how they can also uh, perform in a way that sort of uh, captures the traditional movements and mannerisms, but in a sort of robot type way. If that makes sense, um, so they're not trying to recreate, uh, you know, a, a, an android that looks like a, a person that moves in the same way. But how can you create robots that sort of have the same performance um, feeling or look? Uh, yeah, so I think. That will be interesting to see how, how we can sort of merge the, the sort of AI and the robot and the tradition to, to create this sort of hybrid thing going
1: on. Brilliant.
0: Um, well, thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, we we'll hopefully speak to
1: you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus team. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review wherever you're listening to us. You can see more amazing insights into future technology on sciencefocus.com, where you can also find the latest science news and stories. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us
0: in your app store.